Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the next episode of the Blocks Decoded podcast. I'm Dan. I'm joined with Gavin. You. James. Hello. And Joe. Hi there. How are you all doing, guys? Everyone okay? Yep. Well, looking at the uh, crypto prices, I've been pretty okay for most of today. <laughs> yeah, right. Just as we're uh, recording here, it's just touching up to 13 and a half, I believe, right? Yeah, been out, been out in Malambo all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's dominated, that's dominated the headlines this week. So we're, obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about Facebook's new cryptocurrency, if you can call it that. Talk about the Bitcoin prices. Have a little look at the growth in miners that we've seen of late. And then we'll review a few articles on the site. So let's dive straight into it. First up, Facebook Libra. We touched on this back a couple of episodes ago when it was first announced, when it was first rumored. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of official announcements in the last week or so. Uh, Gavin, he's written a couple of pieces on the site. So go and check those out if you'd like to know a bit more. Um, the headlines from the currency, though, if you've not heard, it's a stable coin based on a basket of currencies. It runs on its own blockchain. It has its own wallets. It's backed by a, a who's who of investors from the finance and tech world. Yeah, you know, it's going to be integrated, presumably, with all of Facebook's existing apps, you know, WhatsApp, Instagram, Facebook Messenger, and so on. Uh, any positives from this, guys? Why is Facebook launching this Libra cryptocurrency, do you think? Because they want to rule the world. <laughs> I mean, that kind of is it. It's some, it does sum it up uh, how it appears to be for most people. If you take the, the statement at, at first value that they want to help the all the people in the world that are unbanked uh, the part of the release statement says almost half the adults in the world don't have an active bank account and those numbers are worse in developing countries and even worse for women and that statement is true and if you look at Libra purely on that basis if it can provide financial services to those people it, it could be a positive of course the flip side of that is do you want a corporation like Facebook with its well, well documented history of privacy issues and what have you, uh, being the, the company that, that actually brings banking to people. What's that actually going to do for people in the long run? I mean, I would like to know how those uh, figures about banking that you mentioned compare with figures of people without internet, to be perfectly honest. I imagine there's a fair correlation between the two. So I'm not entirely sure how well it even stacks up. Yeah. And if you look at the number of companies who are on board and working with Facebook, you've got eBay, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard. Uh, we've got Vodafone. We've got Stripe. But as you said, there's a who's who of business are behind this. But can you imagine what they're going to do with our data? Like they already know what we listen to, um, maybe what we spend some of our money on, certainly what we do on our phones, where we go. Mm-hmm. And you want to you want to throw in every aspect of our our bank account to that as well. I was going to say I just think yeah. it's definitely another step forward to digitising and tracking absolutely everything, even further than it than it already is. Um, it's interesting though, isn't it that they they're going for this sort of stable coin idea? Um, they're trying to promote it, and it's not going to be competitive against Bitcoin. I think that's kind of how they're they're framing it, aren't they? Rather, it's going to be more that it's attacking attacking the US uh, the US dollar, uh, and most of the articles I've, I've read are, are also framing it in this way that 
Bitcoin users don't have anything to fear because Facebook isn't out for cryptocurrency because when you look behind the scenes as well it, it isn't a cryptocurrency as yet yeah i was going to say that could you even consider this to be a cryptocurrency i mean if you take a step back from it all the links are tenuous compared with what a cryptocurrency should be yes yeah, it's, it's, it's not a crypto at all but it, love it or hate it, it it's, it's certainly we've got some potential and may have a, a positive impact on rest of the market do you think i don't know i I think the whole idea that people are going to get into facebook crypto facebook libra um and then suddenly realize that bitcoin is is better is i think the effect of that is going to be less than people realize there's a lot of bitcoin evangelists and bitcoin maximalists that think that there's going to be a massive jump over and then undoubtedly there will be some but i don't think it will be as 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 an incredible shift as, as people think because they'll be so my, 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 tied into the, the Facebook ecosystem where everything's yeah. so easy to use and so easy to buy and so easy to swap and all this sort of stuff. That's, that's my concern. Are, are people going to be lulled into thinking this is what crypto is? You know, they're calling it a cryptocurrency. All the mainstream media places are calling it a cryptocurrency. But, you know, it's going to expose the public to a false impression of what crypto is all, all about, really, I fear. It's not going but away that, either. Like the, you remember the, was it J.P. Morgan who made that announcement about their cryptocurrency? And as soon as they released the white paper, everyone was like, "That's not in any way a cryptocurrency." Mm-hmm. And it it slowly disappeared because they realised that people had called them out on their crap, and it, and it never came to light. Whereas obviously Libra is completely different. It's got so much backing. It's, well, you, you, I mean, it. it it does have backing, but did you see that New York Times piece yesterday where it says they've all signed non-binding agreements to join Facebook, and supposedly Facebook claims they're paying ten million each, but they say that no money has changed hands yet, and they're all in non-binding agreements. So I, I think that what the ultimate line of backers will look like is going to be very different from what's been touted around in the media over the last week or so. Yeah, but well, you only have to look at certainly the UK government. I believe. Uh, United States as well, but the governments are all over it. You know, they're shutting it down. They're like, no, we want to talk to you first. You ca- you can't start this in our country. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve, said that the central bank will be looking at Libra very carefully. So, I mean, mm. you know, it's 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 up against some serious regulatory requirements compared to Bitcoin and all the currencies we currently know. So, we've we've already touched on it a little bit, but let, let's move on. You said, what does this mean for Bitcoin? We alluded to it. Uh, Libra announced on the 18th of June, and the Bitcoin price was 9,000. Today, it's touching 13,500. Any coincidence there? I'm not so sure. I think it just... I've, I feel like it was coincidental that they made their announcement, and it had been pushing up against the, the 10,000 uh, resistance mark for weeks and weeks. Was it the thing that put it over the top? I'm not so sure. We knew that once Bitcoin did hit 10,000, it was likely to go on a bit of a run. And, you know, it's up, what, 40, 43% in the last seven days, Bitcoin is, in, is increased. Um, I, I personally yeah, I, think I mean, it was a coincidence. <clears throat> all, all, all the signs of a Bitcoin bull runner there. You know, you, you've got you've got the factual ones. You know, more active Bitcoin addresses since the all-time high. The market cap is the highest it's been in a year. 
Uh, you've got all the memes coming out, people misspelling the various cryptocurrencies, the mainstream slowly starting to get involved. So, <laughs> you know, it's all, all the writing is on the wall there. You, you, look, you look at the growth, five to 6,000, 37 days, six to seven, two days, seven to eight, two days, 10 to 11, 20 hours, and 11 to 13 and a half now has just been a couple of days. That, that, that curve, that growth can't go on, can it? Yeah. Surely it's, it's it has been very exciting though because I, I remember Friday night it was I think nine and a half thousand I was like all right it, it's gonna hit 10 soon in the next couple of days maybe on Monday and I think yeah, I woke yeah. up and it was like 10 and a half and then <laughs> um, just today I went and had my lunch or my dinner and it had gone up you know thousand dollars by the time I came back yeah I mean it, it's been it's been remarkable it has been truly incredible where does it stop now though where's the where's the top for this per, this current move up well, if you remember, now, are we seeing it? do you remember a few episodes back? We we did make some price predictions. Does, does anybody remember those? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I said about thirteen thousand three hundred, give or take. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> well, I remember. I, I went for the for the full whack. I went for a hundred k. So I'm I'm still fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I went for twelve, and that was like maybe December. Yeah. <laughs> Are we, are we going to see a new all-time high in the next week, two weeks, month? Are we going to get that high? I think within yeah. a couple of days, I reckon, of us recording this. Yeah, a, a week potentially we could you know, tickle the previous all-time high. Uh, and what does it mean for the alts then? I mean, Bitcoin, Bitcoin dominance is above 60%. Again, highest it's been since the midst of the last bull run back in 2017. All the alt Bitcoin pairs are still in the gutter, though, to be honest. So, Wouldn't it sort of trails out a bit there will be a moment of, of sideways action won't there it's not going to continue on this trajectory indefinitely I mean if it does that would be phenomenal but I don't think it's going to stay that way for, for for days and days and weeks and weeks even during the mad surge during 27 there was uh, 2017 sorry there, there were sideways periods weren't there where the alts recovered yep. and, and people made a lot of money and that's where people were really seeing the 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 three x's and the five and tens you know people were making crazy money on those on those altcoins so i hope for the sake of my own holdings action in the next month yeah, well, so. well if we as you say when bitcoin was twenty thousand in 27 2018 uh, you know we had ethereum was over a thousand dollars xrp was uh, over two dollars and mm. tron which is what coming up to four cents now or something like 35 cents and mm. um, so a lot of them had five or ten times on what they are today yeah i mean i'm surprised that ethereum's not a bit higher to be honest so it's had a gains of about 30 percent over the last month but as compared to bitcoin's like 50 something odd um but you would expect to, as it's like the second biggest currency you might have thought that it would have gained a little bit higher I think it struggled. It struggled for a long time, didn't it? Around two sixty-ish, it was just yeah. jammed in there. Couldn't get above it. I think uh, Litecoin has taken some of what would have been Ethereum's pot because of the halving. Uh, yeah, probably mm-hmm. a lot of money still flowing around Litecoin that might have otherwise been invested into Ethereum because Ethereum was so low for so long. So, but then Litecoin does seem to have petered out at the minute. It's you know, it was going crazy about two weeks ago, and now it's just sort of stalled. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's stalled sort of in co- in, coinciding with the mm. start of this um, uh, bull run, so... Yeah. Yeah. 
And I know we touched on, obviously, the Bitcoin halvening, I think, in the last episode. We agreed that it was still too far out to be making a difference. But I saw someone posting on Twitter the other day, I forget who it was, who said there's only 500,000 Bitcoins left to be mined, I think, give or take, before the halvening, which is, uh, you know, the, the, just the limit, the, the, the push for the the supply of them could just push it above. Yeah, okay. So, and another side effect, of course, of the prices going up, or perhaps the other way around, is, I don't know if you guys have picked up on it of late, but there's been a definite growth in miners and mining rigs getting involved again. You've seen this? Have you, have you noticed those going up? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the reports of it. It's been quite, quite big growth, hasn't it? Especially over the last month. I think it, I think anecdotally it's true as well. I've undoubtedly noticed more people talking about it on Twitter, you know, the, the, the big influencers there. But there's also hard facts backing this up. I mean, for those who maybe weren't around in the last, in the last bull run in 2017, the prices of the mining hardware were skyrocketing in the middle of that. It, it got to a point whereby people who needed that hardware for uses other than Bitcoin, so gamers, people who needed other high-spec computers, they couldn't buy the kit they needed and then the crash came. We've all seen the YouTube videos of miners literally selling warehouses full of, of gear. Uh, so, yeah, so the trend is reversing again. Uh, I saw a quote attributed to Khan Creative's head of sales. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a Chinese hardware company who make Bitcoin mining-specific gear. Uh, he said, it looks like a return to the 2017 quarter three, quarter four conditions where demand was three times the supply. He said their new model already had a backlog of orders orders to October. October. And it's not just to October. Yeah. My gosh. Wow. And that's with that before, you know, all the, the fear of missing out, if you like, all that crowd, people who perhaps mined or just started to understand mining in the last bull run, they may be getting involved. Um, and it's not just company sales either. The Bitcoin hash rate is at an all-time high. Uh, has a one-day average of 65 exahashes per second. Joe, I think you're probably the guy to explain that, what it means there for us a little bit more. Yeah, so the hash rate is, is is basically a measurement of the network power. It's not specific to Bitcoin, although Bitcoin is probably the most powerful blockchain at the moment. It's essentially um, just a specification, like you go buy a computer and you'll say, oh, I want a processor with this much speed or... I want this much RAM. That's kind of the same thing with Bitcoin. So the higher the number, the, the faster or the more powerful the network is. And that's what's really exciting to me because we've got such a powerful hash rate and it's it's still increasing and there's this massive demand for miners. And we've got the halvening well over a year away or roughly a year away. And we've got the $13,500 price yet certainly in the UK, the newspapers aren't all over Bitcoin at the minute. So I, I haven't had people come to me and say, oh, hey, you know the price of Bitcoin? You've seen it. Should I buy some? Um, which is what I had happening at 20K. It was all over the news. Yeah, and now I think yeah. I've seen maybe, I think I saw one or two articles recently in non-crypto publications. Yeah, it's very barely making the headlines. I mean... Uh, obviously, I'm based over in Mexico. I've got a closer connection to the US use, but still, it's the same as what you're describing it in the UK. It's just not lighting the fireworks that it did last mm. time. And when that does eventually change and those people come on board again. What's the knock on effect, Joe, of this uh, hash rate for a user? Is there any benefit to the end yes, user in this? So, 
So when we had, uh, you know, the 20,000 all-time high, there were so many people trying to use Bitcoin's network that it was just almost impossible to use at times. You know, you're waiting two hours for a transaction, mm-hmm. which is quite quick compared to a bank. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. That's still quite slow for Bitcoin, and we know Bitcoin's not the fastest, but it tries to do things in 10 minutes, which is fairly reasonable. And so mm-hmm. having all this hash power means it's got some runway to go as as FOMO kicks in and more people start using it. Even if it's just to make a profit, it still has to work with all those transactions. Mm-hmm. And having that runway ready to go and more people trying to get on board to start processing transactions means hopefully that the network can keep up with the demand and this appetite for using bitcoin as it continues to grow the hash rate grows alongside the network everyone's happy wow okay good so anyone anyone want to jump in with anything in there or should i move on yeah i was just going to say another side effect of the increase in mining is obviously the increase in electricity consumption um so in the past month alone, the Bitcoin mining electricity consumption has increased by about 30%, uh, taking it from about twer- from about 49 terawatt hours per year to we're back just under 75 terawatt hours, um, wow, okay. which is more than the 12 US states of Alaska, Hawaii, Idaho, Maine, Montana, New Hampshire, New Mexico, North Dakota, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Vermont, and Wyoming. Um, wow. wow, that's a lot of batteries. Or as a, yeah, or as a <laughs> European country, the entirety of Bitcoin mining is using more than the Czech Republic, the entirety of the Czech Republic. So there's still a lot of interesting and uh, I think difficult conversations to have about um, the Bitcoin energy consumption and um, ways to yeah, bring that down in in the long run. If we are going to switch to a a worldwide global system of, of digital uh, money, but I think yeah, it's and if you to do with switching to proof of stake and algorithms rather than proof of work, mm. but if and if you, if you've seen the uh, the classic Back to the Future film. Uh, where they use nuclear power to power their time machine. <laughs> and uh, they famously mispronounced it as 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> is, you know, an insane amount of energy for their time machine. You know, you could power your whole block with that much energy. And Bitcoin is far in excess of 1.21 gigawatts. You know, a, a terawatt is a thousand gigawatts. <laughs> wow. And, you know, your house might use, a, I don't know, couple of kilowatts maybe maybe 10 if you're pushing it per year uh, well, well perhaps per day or every couple of days mm. so the interesting thing about that is i kind of agree that i think it's probably excessive energy consumption however if you looked maybe three four decades into the future let's imagine that cryptocurrencies are now our predominant way of doing finance would the energy requirements for cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin outweigh the current requirements for operating banks and all of the other financial transactions that go on throughout the world. I mean, I don't think we've got any number to that, but I think it's worth putting things in context that even though it may sound extraordinary, and it is, and it's not good for us as a planet, um, I just don't know how it compares. So it sounds really bad, but I'm not. I'm not sure. 
actually how much it differs from what we're currently doing. Well, yeah, it's a fascinating I, way of looking I, at it. Yeah, I, I don't have the figures for, for banks uh, and our current finance. Why not? I'm so, <laughs> I'm so sorry, James. <laughs> but I know that um, when it reached a peak um, last, last year, I think it was, I wrote an article about it, and the Bitcoin mining energy consumption rate was still way below um, global shipping, which is, you know, horrendous. And Mm -hmm. it's way below things like chemical processing and uh, cement processing and other uh, forms of industry like that. So you're absolutely right. Like while it is bad in the wider context of things, um, it's not as bad as it could be. And it's a much easier thing to scapegoat because people are still very critical of it and don't understand the benefit of Bitcoin mm-hmm. and cryptocurrency yeah. is still a new scary thing. So using this in a in a time as well where people are trying to be more energy conscious and and considering the the planet, I think it is yeah it's easy to to scapegoat it as a as a wasteful wasteful thing. Okay, guys, very good. So let's draw a line under the news then and move on and take a look at a few articles that were published on the website in the last couple of weeks since we last spoke to you. Uh, blocksdecoded.com, if you've not been there, go and check us out. Um, okay, so the first article, it's actually one that I wrote, and I thought it was linked in some way to you know, the prices and the markets that we were talking about earlier. Uh, famous Bitcoin bulls and bears. So, you know, well-known people in whatever field who have pinned their stripes firmly to one side of the, one side of the fence or the other. Um, Go and check out the article for the for the full list, but there's just a few that I wanted to highlight here that caught my attention, and then I'm going to throw it over to some of the guys for them to share their their little gems. Theresa, Theresa May is the first one for me off our <laughs> off my article. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's not a typical bear in terms of being from an economic or a technology or finance background, but her quote. Let me read this to you. I think that we should be looking at these cryptocurrencies very seriously, precisely because of the way they can be used, particularly by criminals. And so that is something that has been increasingly developing. I think it's something we do need to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get any any less committal? (laughs) I mean, it just smacks of government at the highest level. Not having a clue what to do about the whole thing, doesn't it? She couldn't be more out of the loop if she tried. Uh, okay, and a couple of others here from this list then. Two notable Nobel Prize winners uh, for economics on the list. Uh, Robert Schiller, and first of all, he's a, apparently a bit of a TV face in the US. He's on you know, these various finance chat shows. Uh, Yale University professor. Yeah, he's, he's a bear, but I think he takes a fairly fair and nuanced approach to it. He says, I think of Bitcoin as a remarkable social phenomenon. It's an epidemic of enthusiasm. It's a speculative bubble, but that doesn't mean it will go to zero. They can reoccur. We had a bubble in 2013, and it looked like it was done. It fell from 1,000 to 200. But now look, it comes back. He said that in 2017. So at the peak of the last bull run, and here we are again, almost two years later, and his, his words still resonate. However, the other chap, Joseph Stiglitz, you guys pronounce that? I'm not sure. He's a professor at Columbia University, also a Nobel Prize winner. And this, this is great. For a Nobel Prize winner, here we go. It disturbs me a great deal 
the attention that is given to cryptocurrencies because they move things off a transparent platform to a dark platform. We have a very good currency. So far, the currency has been running in a very stable way. There is no need for anyone to go into a cryptocurrency. I actually think we should shut down the cryptocurrencies. <laughs> Amazing. He said this guy winner. won a Nobel Prize for economics. Nobel Prize winner. And he, his, nice. his name has been on Stig, Stiglers. And, uh, He's a professor, wow. Yeah, just a couple of weeks the, ago he said this. I this isn't said back in 2013 or whatever. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago this was said. So anyway, so over to you guys. I believe you found a couple of people worth mentioning as well. Uh, Gavin, you first. Uh, I've got a bear as well. Yeah, mine's uh, Noriel uh, Rubini. I, I hope I'm not butchering his name, but I probably am. We seem to be quite good at butchering names on. on, on <laughs> don't we? Um, it's a British speciality. Yeah. <laughs> um, his quote, uh, which I really enjoyed, was: "Most Bitcoin slash shitcoin investors are retail suckers who are clueless, financially illiterate." That's why we have laws that leave risky investments only for accredited investors who have a certain level of income or wealth. Millions of bag holders were illegally suckered into that crap. So he is a bear, but that is quite a valid point, which is kind of why I like his outtake on it. Um, yeah, cool. Okay, so that's a good take. So what... Just sum that up in slightly less words for us then, Gavin. What, what exactly angle he's saying there? Well, I think what he's, he's saying is that... Um, Cryptocurrency is is quite lawless, you know, it is unregulated and it can be a dangerous place if, if you don't know what you're doing, especially as we saw during the last uh, bull run, a lot of people invested at, you know, 18, 19, 20,000 and then next week were devastated because they'd remortgaged their house and the Bitcoin price had fallen to half the amount. So there's a, mm -hmm. there is truth in, in what he's saying. But he does have, overall, if, if you go and read some of his articles and um, watch some of his YouTube videos, he does have a very negative take on, on Bitcoin cryptocurrency uh, overall. Okay, so to balance the scales then, Joe, we've had a list of bears so far <laughs> in there. So I hope you've got a bull for us. Yeah, so um, this is perhaps... A very polarizing figure, shall I say. Um, Justin Sun of Tron fame, Jack Miles, um, university graduate. Um, and so I really like him, but I, I get why people may not like him because he does have um, quite a few announcements of announcements. You could say like tomorrow <laughs> yeah. I'm going, I'm going to announce the thing I'm going to announce. Uh, but, <laughs> so he's obviously behind Tron and BitTorrent. And he's really passionate about those projects, but he's also passionate about the community. So Bitcoin reached $13,000, as we know, and 12 hours at the time of recording, 12 hours ago, he tweeted just, you know, 13K. I've got the tweet right here. That was, that was all he tweeted. Mm -hmm. He got um, something like 200 retweets, uh, 200 or rather 2,000 likes, loads of comments. Uh, so he, he's not just all about his coins and only his coins he seems to really care about you know bitcoin and everyone uh, as a whole community benefit is that is that the type of figure that the public needs someone to get on the tv do the sort of friendly side even tron's not necessarily the best thing whatever just someone to sell it a little bit well, i think there's cer there's certainly room in this marketplace for someone like that yeah. The Mark Zuckerberg of cryptocurrency. <laughs> Ooh, that's, I'm not sure if that's uh, a good person <laughs> or not. Okay, thanks, Joe. And then finish off with James, then. I believe you've got one more. 
back in some kind of equilibrium. Yep. So this is the author and financial advisor, James Altucher. Um, he made a name for himself by making lots of money, losing lots of money, writing some books about it, and then making some more money. Um, <laughs> but he generally has been on a positive frame of cryptocurrencies. And so even in quite a recent interview, he said, cryptocurrencies solve in general many of the problems of paper currencies and fiat money. The fact there are so many banks and fees and there's so much potential for human error. When the Federal Reserve prints more money, there's potential for forgery. There's privacy issues. Cryptocurrencies solve a lot of the problems of fiat money. And that long-term story is still intact. And, and what do you say his background was? I'm sorry, I missed that at the very start. Uh, he made lots of money. Uh, I can't remember. He was an investor of some sort. I can't okay, remember okay. the specific. A financial guy. Yes, yeah. And okay, then he okay. lost all of his money by making bad investments. And then when he was on the down, he wrote some <laughs> books about it and wrote some health, self-help books. Um, and it eventually got him back on TV and making money again. So he's not, uh, we don't know. what. So with him being in Bitcoin, a good thing, is this guy going to crush the thing for a second time around? Um, I think... Generally, he's one of those TV personalities that ends up talking about finance quite a lot. I mm. think that he, by being positive about it, because he gets on quite a lot of the mainstream shows, I think it's going to have a net benefit that he is someone that's largely respected and has a positive framing of, of cryptos in general. Good. Okay, so let's move on then. Uh, another article on the site that's popped up in the last couple of weeks uh, from Gavin wrote about crypto collectibles. So... Tell us, all about the, oh, tell us all about them, Gavin. What's a crypto collectible and how can we collect them? Well, uh, a crypto collectible is a kind of a new type of, of digital asset um, that you can buy and hold. Um, it, it's not the same as a, uh, a cryptocurrency token uh, like Bitcoin, um, which is fungible, which means you can divide it into smaller parts and that's a core part of what makes it a currency basically you don't have to give a whole bitcoin to pay you break it down uh, the same you would as you would with a with a dollar um, into smaller smaller parts so a non-fungible token which is what crypto collectibles are um, mm -hmm. is more like a token that represents a digital asset so a real world way of looking at it would be say you had um uh, a playing card which is probably the best way to look at it and behind it there was a digital asset that linked it to a blockchain um, that digital asset is yours and yours alone no one else can change it no one else can modify it uh, and most importantly um, no one else can defraud you of it because it has its own link to to a blockchain um, there's several crypto collectibles out there. Um, they're varying in quality. If you go and look at the <laughs> yeah, if you go and look at the the article on on Blocks Decoded, uh, we'll pop a link to it in, in the show notes. You'll you'll see what I'm getting at. So the first um, crypt, uh, crypto collectible that really uh, caught the eye was CryptoKitties. Um, CryptoKitties are little cartoon drawings of kittens with various attributes they have different colored eyes or tails colors um all this sort of stuff um it, it sounds a little bit silly i'll give you that um the most expensive and you're saying that people actually spend real money on these things 
Well, that's a good question, Dan. The most expensive crypto kitty sale came home at a whopping 600 uh, ETH, uh, 600 Ethereum, uh, which at the time of the sale was $172,000. Money well um, spent. Yeah. So uh, the next most expensive is uh, the much more reasonable 253 Ethereum, which was $110,000 uh, at the time. Jesus, man. Um, what are they doing? What are these people doing? Yeah, what are these people? It is a really good question. Um <laughs> Uh, Dragon, the crypto kitty that was the most expensive one, um, wasn't even that rare. It had no remarkable attributes. It wasn't like a, they're called like Genesis, um, Genesis cards. Like so, they're the original creators of the of the crypto kitty series. It, it wasn't anything mm-hmm. to do with that. So there's some speculation that it may well have actually been more to do with uh, money laundering. Which, you know, if mm-hmm. you're going to launder money. It, it's probably quite an easy way to do it. Um, Using cute, cute digital kitties to get money across. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. A new one. Yeah. <laughs> the opportunities offered by the blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> um, another one uh, is CryptoPunks, and that was one of another one of the very original um, uh, crypto collectibles. And this is, I, I really like the CryptoPunk idea because it's actually more like a collectible series there's only 10,000 crypto punk tokens each token is completely different uh no two are alike um and people are still buying and selling and trading these these today and it actually has quite a, a decent um marketplace going on um crypto collectibles i think they're quite interesting in what they're they're trying to be um you know, people are still buying, trading, selling Magic the Gathering cards and Pokemon cards and, and, all, sure. and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And some of them, you know, some of them hold tremendous, tremendous value. You know, a, a rare original Charizard can go for tens of thousands of dollars, that sort of thing. So, um, but it's if you look at the, the wider implication of um, not just crypto collectibles, but the tokens behind them, the non-fungible tokens um and how they can represent um an entire asset um Mm -hmm. then you really get to what the core of 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 what these tokens can be used for so they can represent an entire single digital thing um that like i said earlier can't be altered you know it can't be stolen unless you lose your keys or your wallet etc um and it can't be defrauded from you, so I think it's got a lot of potential coming up in the next few years. Are we seeing an explosion of growth in these? Then is there something that's really taking off, or are we still talking about a handful in total? Well, there's a lot of crypto collectible series out there. It's whether you can define any real value in in what they're actually trying to sell. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you can get in like really early and get you know a, an original one-off thing like the say like an original crypto kitty or mm-hmm. you know like a, a first issue thing like with you know mm-hmm. books and, and white label albums sure. and all this sort of stuff you know if you've got an original and it's in mint condition then yeah potentially you can make money but if you're joining the party much later on and you're just picking up scraps from around the edges i can't see how there's that much value in in that in that side of it but maybe you can trade your way up to to better things and 
you speaking from experience there? Yeah, <laughs> experienced exactly. crypto collectible owner. Yeah, trade trading up all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I do quite like collectible card games. You see, so I have investigated a few of them, but um, okay, I've never come across a card that was worth more than you know, like a a, a pound or you know a dollar fifty that sort of thing. So. Yeah, not quite at one hundred seventy-two thousand dollars. No, but you know, I, I'm hoping and fingers crossed I'll find. <laughs> <one>. <laughs> yeah, so um, you know, it, it's an interesting area to keep an eye on. You know, and if you see a series um, that you enjoy and you like, I mean, by all means, you can you can you can invest in it. You know, it, I think because it is a digital thing. Uh, it's a lot easier to invest in and it's a lot easier to keep safe and and like if you if you did have um, say a, a collectible card game uh, collection of your own you have to keep that in its sleeves you have to keep it in mint condition so it retains its mm-hmm. value whereas uh, a non-fungible crypto collectible you don't really have to worry about that because you're not going to spill water on it and you're not going to get it out and your children aren't going to rip it up and that sort of thing so it Mm -hmm. it is more likely to well you're not going to destroy it but in the long run is it likely to keep its value overall anyway so i think it's 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 a game of trade-offs really isn't it and can you remove these things onto uh, you know, a ledger or whatever. Can what are these based on? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's the uh, Ethereum uh, ERC seven twenty one or seven two one um, standard. So um, there are several wallets. We've got um, an article that's going to be coming up in the next month or so on the best crypto collectible wallets you can actually use. So keep an eye out for that if you are interested in it. Um, yeah, ERC seven twenty one tokens. You can store in specific wallets. I think my Ether wallet does it. Um, I think it's either Ledger or Trezor uh, has support for it, but I can't remember which one. But um, if you look it up on their websites, it will definitely show you. Good stuff. Okay, so let's finish off then. We're going to look at what uh, Joe, a couple of weeks ago, Joe, you finished our show with talking about people dying, and today you're talking about <laughs> lost accounts, I believe. So I'm not sure if there's a correlation. Tell us all about it. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> that's actually a good way to, to introduce it. If uh, your partner died and didn't leave you instructions on how to access their crypto, but you somehow know their password, how do you get in to cryptocurrency exchanges? And that is a very good question. And we often talk about, and the last episode we discussed, don't store your money on exchanges but we are storing our money on exchanges. <laughs> Tell them that, man. <laughs> well, I, I'm not anymore. Well, not the stuff not the stuff I care about. I've got some scraps and some rubbish ones on there. But I moved yeah, all mine off. Yeah, me too. Off. I finally tightened up my security. Yeah, so if, I'm, you're I'm, in, if you're thinking about something, don't bother. I moved all mine off to the ledger. Um, but how exactly do you get into the accounts as they're very strict with their requirements often they send you an email saying hey you haven't logged in from this ip address before and then you have your your two-factor authentication code so either an sms or uh, a third-party app like google authenticator but if you've lost access to that device how do you get in and this is how basically i tried this on binance bitrex and coinbase and the process was mostly the same for everyone. I was a okay. bit annoyed that 
almost all of them give you a backup code and you save it somewhere. So if you lose your phone, you can use that code. And they didn't really work or they no longer had a place to enter those. And wow, so I had, to, okay. I had to go and actually reset the two-factor entirely, which was very similar to creating the exchange accounts in the first place. And it was the same across all three. It basically involves you you sending in photos of you in various poses, either looking to the side, holding your government-issued ID. Some mm. of them required uh, a bit of a close-up on your government ID, and some of them wanted a piece of paper with today's date and the name of the exchange on it. But basically, you submit this information, they look over it, and presumably they're, they're checking it against the information you supplied when you signed up and comparing your ID with your photo. Some of them say they do it automatically. Some of them clearly have a person doing it. Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't too painful. Some of them were quite slow. Uh, I believe it was Binance were very quick within sort of half an hour because it was automated. Uh, but Coinbase took you know a couple of days. So were you surprised by how easy it was to do? Or did you think it'd be more complex? Or- um, no, I wasn't surprised. I mean, the only thing I didn't try was, you know, what if I sent somebody who looked a bit like me? So I, so I didn't do a negative test. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't so, it? So mm. I don't actually know how secure this is. But bearing in mind somebody has to know your password to begin with, uh, they need access to your email address, your government-issued ID, and you. And they have to do it mm-hmm. on on the day you request it as well. It, it, it's likely it's quite secure. So it's no good for dead people after all, that's what you're telling me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know, not unless you could take a picture, you know, ASAP. <laughs> uh, it's getting too dark, it's getting too dark. Let's finish, let's close. <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> okay, guys, let's, let's call it a day. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye, Joe. <laughs> Gavin. Gavin. I'm James. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you soon. See ya.